Welcome to Content Etc, a podcast to help you work through the challenges of marketing your creative small business. I'm your host, journalist and copywriter Michelle Gately from Word by Word Storytelling. I want to help you feel really excited about the content marketing process so you can feel confident in it and know that it's not just something else to cross off your to-do list. I'm all about the gentle and sustainable growth, so if you're after quick hacks and one-size-fits-all templates, then this is not the place for you. My mission is to help you create content marketing that's actually interesting, feels and sounds authentic, not just like a sales robot, and has just a little sprinkle of strategic magic. I want to help you feel really great about your content so that you can show your dream clients why you're their perfect match. Let's get started. So welcome back to Content Etc. Today I am joined by a very special person, the person who designed my beautiful new branding and helped me come up with a wonderful name, which I love for my business. So welcome Sarah Robertson from These Are The Days. Thank you so much for joining me. Over to you, tell us a little bit about your business. Hi, Michelle, thanks so much for having me. So I run a branding and design studio from my home here in the Scottish Borders. My career spans more than 20 years. Yep. And I first started working with an in-house marketing team for a corporate finance company, then as a freelance graphic designer before co-running a digital design studio with my partner. And now I'm back to working mainly solo, but with a focus on branding. And you do such a beautiful job. So I was so nervous about, it's such a big investment, I think, especially because when I decided that I wanted to do this, I also was like, I'm going to change the name too. And that felt like a huge, huge thing. And so for me, it was really important to work with someone who sort of had the same vibe as me and approach things in the same way. And that was you. Um, So it was really fun to work with you. And that's why I wanted to invite you on to talk us through a little bit about branding and your process for things as well. And what's important in branding, um, especially considering, you know, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are at the start of their businesses and stuff, you know, maybe they can't invest in a full branding package or anything, or they're trying to do it themselves. So I wanted to sort of hear from you, what is the most important thing, what isn't, and I guess things to look out for before sort of investing in something like that as well. To get us started, can you, and this is a huge question, but can you sort of explain what branding is? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, it, it is a huge question. And I think you could easily have multiple podcast episodes about branding and uh, the various different elements but I suppose the ultimate way to sum up a brand is that it's the way a business or an individual even because of course we have personal branding and the way a business or individual is perceived or experienced by an audience so uh, the feeling that a logo a name colors, even products and services evoke the feeling that somebody gets from your business. That is your brand, essentially. And the design part of it is, in actual fact, a very small component, important one, but but just one of many things that make up the whole brand scheme of your business. It's sort of daunting, really, isn't it, once you start thinking about it, because you might just think, oh, branding is just a logo, like when you're starting out and you don't really know any of these things. And then, yeah, to realize it's it's sort of everything, isn't it? It's like your values, it's your website copy, it's the names of your service. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's everything. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so big. It's so big. Um, so obviously, you work more with the design side of things. What elements for you does that encompass? What will you usually work on when you work with a business? Yeah, so you're right. I do primarily work on design. Part of that, of course, is the strategy and storytelling side. And so I always start with trying to get to the heart of somebody's business. So what I've done is kind of broken branding down into three areas. So 
I offer brand strategy, brand styling, brand storytelling. And under brand strategy, that's where, as you rightly pointed out, you look at a business vision. So purpose, mission, values, positioning, goals for that business. And that kind of information I gather in a branding questionnaire. So I sent one to you when we first started working together. Um, and the, the first touch point is always um, a discovery call with a client to learn more about them, their background, how their business came to be. Um, and yeah, just getting a real flavor for where you've been, where you are now and where you want to go. And the branding questionnaire is quite detailed and covers all of the three areas that I try to go through with clients. So the strategy, the style and the story. And just to get a feel from the client for where they want to go with their business, um, not just stylistically, but also in terms of their own ambitions. Um, and then it's my job as a designer to really try and make sure that the, the visuals match up to that vision. It's so funny because like that seems so beyond anything I could ever do, but that's also sort of how I work with words. But because I'm not really like an artistic person in that sense, that just seems like magic to me that you can take that and create these graphics and these designs that really encapsulate that. And you did with mine, like I was amazed you really got to the heart of what I wanted and just the sort of like vibe that I wanted in the business as well, which, you know, I'm just amazed that you can take those questionnaires and it was super detailed. Like <laughs> it was, it took me so long to do um, and turn that into logos and, and a name as well. Cause that was something else that we, that we worked on. Um, yeah, and that's something that, that you can yeah, so that was like, that was quite difficult. But I, you know, we had, we came to like two names that I really liked. And in the end, it, it came down to like the vibe, didn't it? And the values and sort of how it made me feel. And then how that would hope, like hopefully make an audience or potential clients feel. And I just think when you think about branding, you probably don't think about that stuff first because um, it's not, I don't know, it's not like, you know, in episodes of Mad Men, it's just them coming up with these amazing ideas, but it's yeah. not, I guess we don't really talk about all the feelings and emotions and stuff that are behind a brand. And I'm fascinated by that as well. And obviously that's such a subjective thing for people too. Like that's so open to different interpretations and that's why, you know, so many designers have so many different styles and stuff like that. Um, so obviously you mentioned logos before and that's probably one of the bigger design elements that we probably remember. Like, you know, if you ask people, we have a, we, I do trivia and um, sometimes we'll do a round where we have to name the brand with like something on the logo sort of blocked out and it's amazing isn't it like the recall that you can have for brands that you maybe just see at the supermarket for example so it's obviously a really important element where do you even start when you sit down to think about how to turn those words into one cohesive logo so once we've gone through the process of completing the questionnaire we'll generally have another catch-up call as well. And at that point, I've usually started creating a Pinterest board. So that's really where the visual work starts, where I'll begin pinning sources of inspiration, which are based on the answers that you've given me to my questions. So that might relate to brands that you wish to align yourself with, colors that you like, fonts. It may be that we've talked a little bit about the brand personality and one of my questions is how you might describe a friend it's a really good way to take somebody out of the kind of the business side of it and start to think about the branding a little bit more personally because I think it also removes some of the anxiety that might be there around the branding process because as you said it's it can be quite daunting 
And so for me, with the questions, even though there are a lot of them, it's really about breaking it down for a client in more simple terms and, and also helping them with answer the, answering the questions if they're a little bit more maybe challenging for a client. Generally, we know that that's something we need to factor into the branding process to work on. So maybe I can help them try and draw the values out or help them try and establish what kind of feel they're going for. But I would say the mood board is really where all the visual stuff comes into play because we get a chance to explore ideas really and compare them and discuss them and more importantly, refine them because very often clients come to me with Pinterest boards already. They might have, I don't know, 200 pins on them and (laughs) I feel very overwhelmed with that. So it's important to kind of start the process then of, I suppose, letting go of things and starting to, I suppose, be guided a bit more by your intuition. That's the part I really love, actually, because that's when I gain clarity, when I start seeing what the client's letting go of, what they're adding, I can very quickly start to get a feel for the direction that we need to take the brand in. So very often at that point, I've got a picture in my mind of what fonts I might start to use, what the colors might look like, if they want a particular logo mark, which not all clients do. Some clients it's logo type, like yourself. And so something that's maybe more stylistic using fonts. But then we've got other clients where they are very, very keen from the start to have a particular mark or there's a symbol that means something to them. And that can often be a good focal point for starting the design process. Yeah, I was going to ask how you sort of choose that and how you factor that in. So will that always come from the client or will you sometimes suggest maybe an illustrative element or a particular mark element if it's something that you think will fit? Yeah, so I'm working on a couple of projects at the moment, actually, where one where the client was really keen to bring some kind of logo mark in, but they also have a really strong color palette. They also have really strong detailed typography. And so as we went along the process, I got the feeling that maybe having a logo mark as well was a little bit too busy. But what we've done is stylize some of the text in a way that makes up for that. And then we can use some of the letters and combine them to can combine them, sorry, to make a, a particular logo mark that fits their business. So we're not losing any of the brand feel. And I think we're actually strengthening the brand by taking things away from the original brief. Because to have a really detailed logo mark on colors, everything, I think it just starts to kind of like affect the the way that a brand is going to be perceived you know i always want a client to feel really calm and confident about their branding and to not have too many elements to manage either i think that's really important and then there's another project i'm working on where it was very much about having a quite clean simple typographic logo but as we started to get into the design process we've kind of seen an opportunity for bringing like botanical illustrations in and I think it's going to work really nicely. So every project is different and sometimes I have to change a client's mind about something because I might have a particular feeling, but more often than not, we're, we're kind of on the same page from the off really. So when we talk about logos and stuff as well, um, can you just sort of explain a little bit about uh, some of the different elements that that might include because you have like your sort of main logo I guess but you might also have some other elements and like why do we do that? Why is that an important part of design? When I work on a project as a minimum I tend to offer as part of my branding design projects and I've got a package called shape your brand where I'll work with a client from start to finish on the whole branding process so that is through the the strategy style and story as I mentioned before and as part of that package I will deliver a primary logo so that's your main logo that you will use for example maybe at the top of your website and your email communication, perhaps on a business card or letterhead, if you're using print anymore. Most people seem to be using digital media more than anything these days. 
also a secondary logo, um, which can often be like a, a stacked version of text. So if you've got a few words in your logo and a long kind of single line version, the secondary one might be stacked text, or it may be like an adaptation of the style of the logo slightly. And the reason for having that secondary version is because there will be instances where your main logo just isn't suitable, but you want to still be able to communicate your brand's kind of vision and values in a coherent way and have something that's still recognizable. So maybe you're doing some advertising or perhaps you've got a podcast or on social media, for example, you might want a smaller logo at the foot of your posts or your stories. That's a really good example of a place that you might use a secondary logo. The other thing um, is often a brand mark. So that's just like a separate thing altogether where in my logo, for example, I've got two curves that feature in my main logo with these are the days. I've got a secondary logo, which is just the TATD letters in the curves. And then I've got a brand mark. The only place that features is in the footer of my website, actually, but it's animated. And so it's just the two curves animating back and forth. And it's just a really tiny, simple touch, something quite playful. So often it's quite nice to, to add these little things to a branding project. And that uh, brand mark is often used by clients for their social media profile image as well. And also, um, I guess if you're a product-based business, you can incorporate it into like packaging. And I've seen some really fun ways to incorporate those different branding elements into different things with products as well, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, packaging is so much fun. And a few clients that I've worked with over the last year, you know, we've produced stickers from some of these brand marks but then we've also expanded on their branding um, to create um, lots of different icons which they might use as multiple stickers and they may put them on packaging tape and that they've had customized or even uh, with one project it was lovely we created a tissue range for them for them to wrap their products in so we used lots of their icons on that and the same icons are visible on their instagram profile as well as stories highlights so that's a really great way to create that coherence with a brand image and to make sure that you've got these little i suppose tiny little reminders of your brand because of course uh, whether it's Instagram bios or other social media channels newsletters or websites visually you're using slightly different things things are slightly different sizes so it's good to have that whole suite of visuals that you can use in in different ways yeah definitely and do you think that I mean obviously you are a wonderful, very skilled professional. Do you think though that is there any way we can start out with our own DIY logo when we're just starting out a business? And is it sort of worth doing that until we know for sure what all our values are and all that sort of stuff that sort of builds a little bit over time or evolves a bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would encourage most businesses who are starting out to experiment a little bit themselves, because one of the things I find about clients jumping straight into creating a brand image when they haven't even launched their business yet is that they still don't fully know their business. And it can take time to just get a really strong feel for what it is that you're aiming for. So a lot of the clients I work with come to me maybe one to two years down the line and they're completely rebranding, having already invested in branding a year or two before. Now, I think for some businesses, it's really important to outsource the branding at the outset. I think if you've got the budget and you know, you've know you got the means to be able to do that and involve the designer at that stage, wonderful. And you can go through the process in a detailed way. But there's certainly ways of of getting yourself off the ground or just dipping your toe in the water. One way if you're doing it yourself is really to start with experimenting with fonts and colors in, in a program like Canva. I would say that's kind of like step one for anyone just wanting to figure something out and play with ideas. Next level up from that is probably having like a brand package that's been customized. So 
on the likes of Creative Market and Etsy, you can buy these kind of off-the-shelf logo packages and the designer will edit a kind of brand package with your name, uh, your business name. And sometimes they also edit colors and things too, but they often come with kind of like two or three color palettes that you can pick. So there are kind of off the shelf options if somebody's kind of stuck at the outset, but wants to get something done. And sometimes you're looking at an investment of maybe just a couple of hundred pounds maximum to do something like that and get all the assets that you need um, to get off the ground. There are other solutions too. Um, you know, a lot of designers offer like single days to work with them. So um, I have a branding play day, a few different colleagues of mine in the design industry run similar design days, not just for branding, but also for websites where you can take somebody's ideas and get, get something off the ground relatively quickly just to give them that start. So that can be, that can be an option too. Yeah, that can be a really great way to, I guess, start, as you say, dip your toe in the, in the water, sort of do a little bit of DIY stuff, but then get someone's professional opinion to just tweak a few things and feel a little bit more confident about it until maybe one day you're able to make that bigger investment if that's what you want to do. Um, so you mentioned color palettes before and like, I love all my branding, but something I particularly love <laughs> is the color palette. It's so so pretty and I think the thing as well is I it feels so me and obviously I know that our business isn't always going to be a reflection of us and there are going to be you know differences but I think in this case service-based business where a lot of the tone of voice and stuff is me um it felt like you really nailed that and you picked such pretty colors and I just love them. So can you tell me a little bit more about color palettes? I'm just fascinated by how you work with color because I know you you go really deep on it as well and I love that. I just absolutely love playing with color and I feel like it's just such a strong way to be able to communicate um, somebody's business personality and with you um I mean, I think we did go through a few rounds of revisions with the colours, but I think it was just a couple of them. It was just about getting the sort of the tone just right. And so you definitely fed into that process as well um, an awful lot. But yeah, it was really good fun. And I think a lot of that just, it, it did come from the the questionnaire that we had together. You know, I really got the vibe that we were going to be going for an autumnal palette, but it really started to come together. I think when we worked on the Pinterest board and, you know, there were instances where you would point out some brands you really liked the look of but it wasn't so much the style and often it was the colors I think that you were drawn to so that's a way to pick up on you know what a client's drawn to but I think as as you rightly pointed out you being a service-based business it is more personal there's that one-to-one with a lot of your clients it's ultimately about you and there is an element of personal branding in there as well so I think for for your business, it was really right that all the direction came from you and the all the styling aligned with and resonated with you. But it's not always the same. It's not always the way. I mean, I've got one client who's got two businesses and one of their businesses, a coaching business, the palette is probably more them. I would say it's more like personal brand. It's, it's definitely their kind of color scheme, the, the clothes they would wear, the, what their home would be styled with. And then when it comes to their photography business, it's a different palette altogether. Um, it's more of a kind of summer feel, whereas their their coaching business, I would say, is more winter. So that's interesting, but the summer palette works so well for their business being um, a wedding photographer. There are parts of it, sort of touches of it, that do kind of align with winter as well. So she really loves the palette. It really works for her. But I think more than that, it works for her clients. Yeah, that makes so much sense because when we're looking at the most popular time of the year for wedding photos, it's going to be summer. And then that's going to have in the photography, there's going to be certain types of light and a certain tone that you want to sort of mirror in the colors, I guess. You don't want to do something that's 
it must be it must be hard with photography businesses because you do want to sort of match the tone of their photos as well like you've got that extra visual element that you need to sort of match that doesn't necessarily come across in other businesses as well yeah absolutely and that was a a really big part of the branding project that I did with the wedding photography business because her photography is so romantic it's got that real summer hazy kind of vibe and even though most weddings take place in the summer there's a lot of photographers that go for a kind of moodier vibe and so like deeper colors that I would say almost more like a kind of autumnal sometimes even a more wintry feel you know really deep and dark and kind of rustic but no her style is very kind of pretty romantic kind of picnic on a summer day kind of vibe and that was all the kind of colors that we brought into it so lots of like really kind of light pink greens um lovely kind of creepy shades and things and it yeah it just came together so beautifully and interestingly when I was working on um some visuals for that project the other day and kind of bringing the her photography actually together with the visuals that we created there was just so much synergy between them so that was nice it's nice when that happens yeah and it's it's sort of it's sort of unconnected to what we're talking about but I guess it is in a little bit when I was looking with Jack for our wedding photographer we were looking through a lot of different photography styles and he kept being like, oh, I don't like that wedding. I'm like, no, you've, you've got to look past the wedding dress or the decorations or whatever and look at the style, like the editing style, the tone of the photos. And he just couldn't grasp that. Uh, but I guess you sort of have to do a, diff- a similar process when you're looking at those Pinterest boards, for example, to be like, well, what's actually attracted the person to pin this like what is it about this is it the font is it the colors is it the logo design you sort of you've got to look past certain elements and try and pinpoint what it is you actually like about it and it that can be quite hard when you're used to not paying that much attention to things yeah no it is it is tricky and you know for some clients like filling in the questionnaire doing the Pinterest boards it's they're kind of ideal of hell (laughs) <laughs> and I have to kind of bring them down to like actually it can be quite fun and once we do have the chat over the questionnaire once we do start to work on the Pinterest board together and emphasis on the together as well you know I don't let anyone kind of go away and or not so much don't let anyone go away do the little thing I don't leave them to kind of try and figure stuff out on their own it's very much kind of like a hand-holding process and it's collaborative you know I kind of really want to be a part of their business and immerse myself in what they do and how they do it and then kind of try and work from there so yeah there's um sometimes I do have to work a little harder to kind of draw ideas out of a client when they're a little bit unsure of the direction but you know that's all part and parcel of the the job really because often I have somebody will come to me with a very clear idea and tell me exactly what they want and the font style and the colors and the logo that can be challenging sometimes too because once you've kind of gone through the questionnaire and things it may be clear that some elements are probably not going to work so sometimes I have to have an honest conversation with a client about that and how we might approach it for them but I suppose it's just being adaptable flexible you know um, and equally accepting if my idea isn't always taken on board <laughs> that's the hard bit sometimes <laughs> sometimes yeah I've been in situations where I've had a really strong vision for something I thought of oh, this so the direction it's going in and then something changes and I'm like mm, I've got to let go of maybe a particular typeface that I found or a color that I think it's going to work really well but then you know you there's got to be some detachment there because at the end of the day it's not my business it's their business and yeah I've still played a part in the process and still help them bring a vision to life so as long as the client goes away happy and feels confident with their branding and kind of I suppose proud to show it off that's a win in my book so even if it's not a hundred percent what I had in mind uh, that's cool (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I love that. Well, I'm very proud to show off uh, my branding in so much so that my friend who has a like cricket machine has printed me like little stickers to put on my laptop. So oh, <laughs> my it. branding is like everywhere. Um, yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And it just encapsulated everything that I wanted. And yeah, the color palettes are just so, so pretty. I love using them on everything. It's very fun. Um, so let's talk about fonts as well, because this is one of the other sort of elements in design that you work with. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about fonts. What should we keep in mind when we're choosing fonts for our business if we are doing it ourselves? Okay. So I think the number one thing to bear in mind is legibility always, you know, how easy it is to read the letters in your business name at a small size. So that is always the first thing to consider when you're creating something, particularly if you're playing and experimenting yourself and you're not working with a designer, you know, please, 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 whatever you create, shrink it down and see what it looks like at the smallest size at the bottom of a, you know, a social media post, for example, wherever it's going to appear at its smallest, test that out before you get too carried away with a particular font because sometimes people like very thin dainty fonts and then you get them down to a really small size and you can barely see them or the other thing to consider kind of skipping back to color slightly is what color you've got against another so the color of your logo against the background you know really to be sure that there's decent enough contrast there and there, there are actually a few sites that you can use to test colors out for their accessibility. I'll share some links for you for the show yeah. notes. Yeah, um, absolutely. We'll pop them in the show notes. Great. Um, and I'll also share some links to sites as well that you can use to choose fonts. There's kind of three that I go to or that I advise clients to go to. Number one, if you want free, there are quite a few kind of foundries online you can often find free fonts if you go to pinterest and search that can be quite helpful um and google fonts of course paid fonts ones that are very affordable you can usually find on creative market and etsy can sometimes come up with the goods um but creative market is pretty decent for stylish fonts um that are at a good rate um, and I also use my fonts. That's a little bit more expensive at times, but what you will find with my fonts is that you get the quality and you get the precision. So the typographers that have created the fonts there are, are incredibly skilled and there are often font families rather than just a single font. You'll have different weights and, you know, italics as well as regular so again I'll share links to those because um that can be pretty helpful just for experimenting yeah and I guess too I mean it strikes me obviously a lot of this comes back to the emotions the vibes the feelings you know what kind of you see a lot of like handwritten fonts for example that obviously brings a certain vibe something more simple brings a certain vibe how can people sort of know when they're doing that is it just a case of experimenting and see what feels right yeah I think that really is the number one way to go is really just to try different fonts out and see what you get a feel for I think it can be much simpler at the outset to think about what you're going to discount so I often find if I'm working with a client who's quite unsure on a font style then you know I'll go to a site like Creative Market or My Fonts. You can type your business name in and you can actually test what the fonts uh, will look like with your business name. And then you can go to kind of subsections of particular styles. So you can look at serif fonts, sans serif fonts, um, script fonts, and then you can see what your business name looks like in those styles and compare and contrast them. So yeah, if you're kind of at the beginning stages, that's the best way to go. What I tend to do is if I've worked with a client through their branding questionnaire, a lot of the time it will come through in that, you know, with the examples that we reference or the inspiration that comes up on the Pinterest board, you can generally get a feel for what kind of fonts to include. And the other thing to say about fonts as well is that 
you don't need to choose just the one you know you'll have one for your logo i usually encourage maybe a secondary font that you could use for a stamp or a tagline that can be quite helpful and that secondary one is often used for body text and the brands that i create too sometimes it's nice to have a third um you know a, a tertiary script style it's quite nice to have that i've got um two fonts in my brands i've got my main kind of logo and i use uh, a style called um, flatline and i use a few variations of that for my body copy and then i've also got like a mono font too like almost like a typewriter style which is quite nice and then very very occasionally i will use um a third style which is a script but i pretty much just use that you know, like maybe once a month, it might appear on a post or it might be in my email. I don't really use that very often. It appears occasionally on my website as well, but it's kind of just to highlight particular information or something that's maybe a little bit more personal. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice to have that variety, I think. And, and of course, to make sure that the three styles work together, but it is really a skill. I don't think there's any kind of like hard and fast ways to advise on getting something like that right but some people do you know by just experimenting and you can often buy packs so the other thing to say about that is on pinterest you can search for font uh, pairings so it'll give you a kind of primary font and a secondary font that goes well with it and even google fonts itself does exactly the same so if there's a particular font style you like you scroll down that page you can see pairings with that font too so um that can be quite helpful even just you know as a first draft of your branding to get something off the ground you know why not it's it's a yeah. new I love that absolutely and again for the body text you want to make sure that legible text is like the main thing of course we want people to be able to actually read our websites and I think that's too like that's why I don't use the script font quite as much like you said maybe just for a flourish of things but I'm conscious of not using it on my website because it's really not that legible on most websites like a script font um so I try to avoid it where possible but I do I love the way that you paired like because I said to you you know I really love a serif font and I want something like that and I think maybe that I don't know I've just always liked serif fonts um as well I don't know but there's something old chunky yeah and there's something like like a romantic old typewriter feel about it as well even when you've got a more chunky one I don't know I've just always there's something that I can't put my finger on emotionally but I really like that font you know like it's really it is such a funny like art and science of of typography and I think it's something that I've been interested in in terms of like magazine and newspaper design for a while because obviously the the type of headings that you use dictate the hierarchy of stories on a page for example and you know right back to even like a serif font indicates like a more serious publication sans serif is more tabloidy like I find all that sort of stuff around fonts really fascinating as well so it's interesting to hear it from like a design and branding perspective because I'm so used to hearing of like dealing with it in terms of newspaper design or magazine design and stuff so yeah. it's always really interesting yeah it's so similar though to our thinking as designers though because um you know with um say a business is more traditional then often a serif style will suit them a little bit more or now nowadays there's like uh modern serif styles which are very very popular and that's kind of like in between a serif and a sans serif they're just very very slight um serifs on the font so it's kind of it's really just um yeah it's quite interesting um, going through that process with a client of selecting the right one for them yeah it often does come down to the type of business it is and the kind of clients they're going to attract so I think with you we were looking for something really kind of bold and attention grabbing you were also really drawn to kind of like retro styles and things so that came into play a little bit with the main font and then as you say, the typewriter style for your stamp and yeah, it all kind of like works 
nicely together. (laughs) Again, like so much of my personality in that as well, in just the when I think about the music that I like or the clothes that I like, I really have this eclectic mix of more modern stuff with retro things. And actually now that you say that, like it, I think that that reflects well in the brand as well, (laughs) especially like with the typewriter and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, Yeah. it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, a lot of it comes down to emotions at the time. And again, you know, the, the sort of nerdy English kid in me loves then analyzing those things. Like, why do you make those decisions? Um, (laughs) So you also mentioned before that you can get like packs of colors too. Where would you recommend people sort of look for that if they want to go down the DIY route first? Well, similarly, um, it's the likes of creative market and Etsy, you can buy them, but um even just doing a search on Pinterest or on Google, you know, you can find color palettes and often designers will have blogs where they're sharing color palette ideas. Um, so, so you a can tweak place, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, head to your favorite designers, websites or Instagram feeds and have a look there for inspiration. Um, obviously don't just <laughs> laugh at the color palette. And it's entirely but yeah, take a little bit of inspo from it. Um, you know, I think that's always encouraged. I'm not sure that any branding idea that we come up with is ever a hundred percent unique. You know, it's it's all influence at the end of the day. But um, yeah, even in Canva, I believe you can have a bit of a play around, and they've kind of got color palette options as well. It's not a tool. Actually, I yes, yeah, they it, do. But mm. yeah, some of my clients have kind of started off with that before they've been invested in kind of producing um um i suppose a more refined version of their palette plus fonts and logo and everything together further down the line but yeah as a starting point i think that's maybe a good place to experiment for sure wonderful um so is there any other sort of elements of design and branding we should keep in mind especially if we're just at that starting stage um, before we invest in working with a designer like yourself? Yeah, I mean, I touched on it earlier and just with regards to kind of like when you're creating a Pinterest board or when you're working with the different elements of your brand. So, of course, you've got your kind of logo, your colours, often there's photography to think about as well. So your brand imagery or your product imagery, if that's relevant. And I I think the number one thing to bear in mind is not to bring too many elements into your brand identity. So if you've got a fairly bright, complex, punchy color palette, don't go crazy with a wacky font as well as a really detailed logo because it is just going to be a little bit of a visual explosion for anybody looking at it. I think it can be quite easy to get carried away sometimes with these things and you know I see myself doing it with some of the projects I work on you know I think yeah I finished that concept and then I come back to it next morning and I'm like whoa I maybe need to like you know <laughs> pair it back a, back a little bit yeah yeah, yeah like maybe like some of the colors need to be toned down a little but equally you know if you've got quite a kind of fanciful font then maybe your color palette you know might be a, a little bit uh, more subtle or you might be fearing more towards kind of like pastel rather than something really bold. Again, if it's quite a detailed logo mark, you might be looking at quite a subtle font, you know, so it's, it's just really trying to get the balance right and thinking about also where you want your focus to be. You know, if you're somebody where color is such a big part of your personality and your business, like let the palette be the focal point. Equally, if there's like a, a symbol that you really want to use to connect with and communicate with your audience, you know, let that logo mark be the thing that speaks to people and make sure that that takes sort of pride of place and and certain parts of your communication so hopefully that's helpful but you can that always is definitely <laughs> do you I don't know if you've heard the saying kill your darlings in terms of writing um but you know obviously that is you 
you do have to cut things from a story or whatever you're working on. And I face this all the time because we have like quite strict word limits on our news stories and you'll write something and you're like, this is a masterpiece. All of this needs to be included. And then as you say, you come back to it or you get feedback from someone else and they say, no, you can cut that. You don't need that. (laughs) And yeah, sometimes you realize that actually like the, um, the beauty comes in simplifying even though at the time when you're coming up with all the ideas, you're like, yes, this is all amazing. I'm a genius. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, but you're at the sort of the top of that um, sort of cycle of creativity where you've started wondering if you're like, you know, am I talented? Is this for me? Oh, yeah, this is pretty good. This is great. Yeah. I am great. You know, you're at that sort of the top. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, for the day, you come back to it in the morning and then, yeah, either I decide or like you say, sometimes it's the client actually that concept needs to go on the cutting room floor so it's yeah it's an emotional experience working on the brand sometimes because you do get quite invested in ideas and yeah I really love I love the variety it brings I do love a challenge as well though so you know sometimes it's not always simple working on a branding project and sometimes those are the best ones because you do have to kind of cut things out or compromise and ultimately that's about making it the best it can be but yeah there's definitely some concepts I've had to let go of over the last year which I really really love so maybe they'll come back in some other form come to life for another project who knows I've started when I you know get close to my word count on something and I'm, I'm trying to cut back and I'm still in the middle of writing which I really shouldn't do I should wait until I've written the whole thing Uh, but I will start a new document and just be like bits and pieces and I will copy and paste into there. So I feel like I'm not completely deleting it just in case I want to come back. Cause sometimes, you know, if that, that sentence, that paragraph, I might've spent half an hour on and it feels hard just to be like delete. So I'll just copy and paste it into a new thing. And you know, like 99% of the time, I never look at that bits and pieces folder ever again. Yeah, just in case, because what if I need that genius bit of writing again in the future? Um, so like, you know, what if my boss says, actually, can you say more about this? I've got it there. Um, but yeah, usually I never come back to it. Um, so that's obviously super helpful advice as well for people who are sort of starting out. I'm interested, you know, obviously, sometimes budget can be a major sort of hurdle for a lot of small businesses in and I know it certainly was for me in in choosing when to invest but if you've got the budget there how else do you know it's right to actually invest in working with a professional designer like yourself and and getting a a redesign for example I mean I suppose the first thing is the stage you're at in your business you know is your business going to benefit from a full branding project and so by that um, I mean you know everything from your kind of logo design through to selecting your fonts your colors also maybe doing packaging website that kind of thing it's a very big undertaking not just for a designer but for the client as well so it's making sure that you've got the time to invest in that process because the more you can give to a designer, the more you will get out of your brand identity because, yeah, there there are detailed questions that need answering and a great questionnaire will build a really solid design brief and it will result in a better brand for the client. So it's really important, I think, to make sure that you've got the time, the energy, the resources to put into the process. And also that you're feeling really excited about it. Um, Clients often come to me a little bit nervous and I think one of the first things I want to do is kind of try and switch that around and make it feel fun for them because it doesn't have to be daunting. I want it to be enjoyable for them um, and for it to feel like a partnership as well. And I think on that, it's really important to find a designer that's the right fit. You know, go to a few different designers, get a few different quotes, have calls with them, get a feel for them. I think that's so vital, not just for the client, but for the designer too, because there are, 
there have been occasions where maybe I felt like a project isn't quite the right fit for me and it may be scale, it may be timing. And I've got other designers and people that I work with in the creative community that might be better suited. And also it, it might be like a timing thing. Like sometimes clients maybe haven't done a lot of deep strategy work. And I think, well, actually, if you can afford it, maybe let's do some mentoring around the brand before we go into the design process. So even just having like a few sessions um, just to uncover a little bit more can be, you know, helpful for them and longer term, term helpful for their business too. Yeah, and give you more to work with if they choose to, to work with you. That's so helpful. Thank you so, so much for joining me and going through all this creative stuff. Um, you mentioned before, obviously, you have certain branding packages and your branding play dates as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? And I will also include links in the show notes. Sure. Thank you. Um, so there's three main ways to work with me. Um, the first way is through Shape Your Brand, which is my full branding and design service. So I tend to work with clients over three to six months on that. That's how I worked with you, Michelle. Um, I also offer, as I said, branding play days, so just one-off days uh, with clients where we can work on either strategy, styling, or storytelling, but more often than not, people tend to work with me on a little bit of a design refresh or something in those days, Um, but they're built around your needs, so um, yeah, and it's a good way to maybe kick off a relationship with a client too, because some clients I've maybe done a play day with and then gone on to work with them in a more detailed capacity. Um, And then the final thing that I offer is brand mentoring through a service called The Creative Trail. So we work together over 12 weeks. We have six mentoring sessions bi-weekly with a bit of email support in between. So yeah, I started offering that earlier in the year and that's been a really fun way to to get to know clients and their businesses better. Wonderful. Thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you for helping me fall back in love with my brand and giving me a new name to fall in love with as well. I feel so professional. Um, (sighs) Unlike, you know, not that I didn't before, but, you know, it was the name I came up with for my university book blog. So, you know, it was time to retire that. (laughs) So thank you for helping word by word come to life. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I hope that everyone's found this chat really helpful thank you so much thanks for having me Michelle cheers thank you so much for listening to this episode of content etc if you head over to wordbywordstorytelling.com forward slash blog you'll find a blog version of this episode there'll be links to anything I've mentioned in this episode in the show notes on your podcast app If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by tagging me in your stories on Instagram, where I'm at word by word storytelling. And let me know what your biggest takeaway is from this episode. If you know someone who would enjoy listening to the show, please tell them about it. Word of mouth is still one of the most powerful forms of podcast recommendation. Make sure you're following the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it drops.